0: Sonic.
1: Well, hello, it's uh, now Thursday morning. Um, as you can tell, I've got a bit of a cold. Uh, we're not going to be doing the podcast this week, but PJ Tracy very kindly um, submitted this report from the Nam show. Uh, I hope you enjoy it, and I'd just like to say thanks very much, PJ, for uh, filling a hole, and we'll, normal service will be resumed next week.
2: This is PJ Tracy, live from the NAM show. Uh, it's Friday morning, the second morning of the show, and I just thought I'd give a little recap on what happened yesterday. Um, first of all, I arrived at the convention center after having gotten up in the middle of the night back in Minneapolis to fly out here for the show. Um, travel was easy, uh, no uh, unexpected bumps in the road. However, once I got to the NAM show... I stood in line to register for my press badge, and the registration computers crashed when I was three from the top of the line. We waited in line for an hour and a half before they realized they weren't going to be able to fix this anytime soon. So I went off to lunch with the boys from Sonic State. Had a wonderful lunch and chat with Nick Bat, Andy McCready, Dave Spears, and Chris from G4 Software were there, as well as Non-Eric and his friend Thomas, all the way from Germany. It was good to finally put some faces with names, uh, as we had never all met in person. So this was the first sit-down for some of us from the Sonic Talk podcast. Once introductions had been formally made, we'd eaten and credentials were sorted out. We went into the show. Andy and Nick went off to their many appointments to provide video coverage of the show. My first stop at the convention was the Motu booth, where I saw a demonstration of Digital Performer 6. Those who use virtual instruments will appreciate the new pre-rendering of virtual instrument audio. For instance, if you use a virtual instrument, AU or VST, wrapped into a Digital Performer, you are now able, after laying down a MIDI track, to render that audio in the background as you are still working within Digital Performer and have it imported into the program as a track. Also new within Digital Performer is Proverb. This is a convolution reverb. Uh, which will import impulse responses from most of the major manufacturers, including um, AudioEase's Altiverb impulse responses and Space Designer, Apple's logic plugin. As well as being able to import your own if you are so inclined, um, Proverb is very CPU friendly. It sounds really good, and you are able to control a bunch of the editing parameters uh, in real time without any noticeable audio glitching. Also within Proverb is a ducking feature, which allows for high amplitude audio to have less reverb applied to the body of the sound and to have the reverb tail come up after the main part of the sound has faded away. Within the software, there is a one bounce and burn feature, where once you've set up all of your PQ codes and whatnot, you are able to bounce directly to disk, and then at the same time, burn directly to CD. You can also burn to a disc image for archiving purposes. My next stop was at the XLN audio booth, the makers of Addictive Drums, where I was able to speak with a couple of their programmers. Really friendly guys who are very much into everything drums. Uh, They are releasing a new Retro Pack which includes three new Ludwig kits including a Versalite kit. several new kick drums and a couple of new snares as well as multitudinous beats and a bunch of new presets that take advantage of these new samples so for instance with the touch of a button you can get very close to the sound of Andy John's recordings of John Bonham. Those who own Addictive Drums should probably check this out. Next up I stopped at the DigiDesign M-Audio Complex. This is a huge booth. They take up a lot of floor space and they are showing many new as well as stalwart products. Uh, I looked at the C24 which is ostensibly the replacement for the former Control 24. This is a Pro Tools controller. Um, The C24 is slimmer than its predecessor. Uh, It's not as chunky. It looks to be lighter, more ergonomically designed. And it looks cooler. Um, I watched part of a demonstration of a DigiDesign rep using the device to control Pro Tools and using a combination of a jog shuttle wheel, a number of cursors, and what looked like a ribbon controller. He was able to make complex edits, uh, selections, and navigate through the software without the use of a mouse or keyboard. Really cool. So anybody who is a serious Pro Tools user might want to check this out. Also, I talked with a DigiDesign rep about their new amp modeling software called Eleven.
1: So, I'm talking with Rasheen here at the DigiDesign booth about uh, Eleven, which is DigiDesign's new amp modeler. And, Rasheen, you've tried a lot of the other amp modelers on the market?
0: Yes, I've used uh, Amplitube, Guitar Rig, um, the GTR stuff, and um, I think those are all great products. You know, I, I currently use Guitar Rig like I used it majority of the time, you know, but this one just came out and once I heard it, I was amazed by it, just because they spent the time to... Like they didn't put any effects in there, There's no Sorry. reverbs, or choruses. No. There's nothing else. That, it's just guitar. It's, it's guitar, guitar, and it's it's made especially for guitar players, and it's very easy, user friendly. You know, you use a lot of plugins, and you, 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 I, mean, you, you I mean, you look at, you at feel some feel of them, and you, sound sound you, sound you sound just get confused sound because, sound because sound you don't know. It's too many things going on in the plugin, in which I think some of these other plugins have a problem with. There's too many things going on, and not not just a regular guitar player, like an older guy that's not into like all this new technology. An older guy can come up and look at that, and it looks like an amplifier. So if you know how to use an amplifier, you know how to use this plug-in, you know? So so,
1: so 11, if I understand correctly, models just the amplifier, the cabinet, and microphone placement against the amplifier and cabinet? Yeah.
0: Okay. And I, mean, that's, and, and, and I think that's why they, they spent two years making this plug-in, and they went to all kinds. They, they, some, they used, went to every possible like classic amp, like, the the Fender the Vils or like the Viberlaxes or the Mesas and you know they took all those cabinets and they and they basically you know liked them, learned them, did like room micings of them and, and got every sound they possibly could to get the right sound and I think these guys have done it the best. What uh, what
1: do you play? What guitar do you play? What's I, your what's your
0: axe? I, I, use, a, uh, I use a Fender. Uh, not a Fender. I use a, um, a Gibson Les, Ball. Les Paul. Les yeah. Paul. Yeah. And I use a Golden, which is my favorite guitar. And I use a Epiphone Explorer.
1: And wh- what's your favorite? What's your favorite model inside of Eleven? What's your favorite tone that you can achieve I think there? The
0: Soldano style one, you know, the SL uh, one hundred and uh, the uh, the Lead eight hundred too. That's a great those are, those are great presets, and I encourage anyone to come by and check out any of this stuff. and Digital design did a really good job with this. that's.:
2: My next stop was at Gary Garrett's Garretton Software booth, uh, where he was showing his new authorized Steinway D sample collection. The Steinway was recorded from six different mic positions, and a 16-bit sample collection has been created as well as a 24-bit sample collection. Garreton plans on scaling this product so the, the lightest of the versions of this product will cost around $99 US, and the flagship product with over 80 gigabytes of content will be closer to the $600 price point. I sat down and played this instrument for about 10 minutes, and it was hard to tear myself away from it. Uh, one thing that I noticed about Garreton's implementation of the Steinway is that they paid great attention to the subtle aspects of the piano. So for instance when you're playing very quiet um, melodic legato patches, you really get a sense that you're playing a cohesive instrument rather than a number of snapshots. It's very authentically captured, Uh, it sounds beautiful, so check it out. Apparently they're going to release sometime within the next month. One of the major highlights of the day was stopping by the Spectrosonics booth to see their long-awaited release, OmniSphere. OmniSphere is essentially the replacement for Atmosphere, uh, as Atmosphere's content will be included in the over 55 gigabytes of content that are going to ship with OmniSphere. This is a massive, massive product. Uh, They've redesigned the engine from the ground up. It is now called the Steam Engine. And the Steam Engine is... Essentially a complex synthesizer, um, utilizing subtractive FM granular synthesis. Uh, it has also a Chaos Designer that allows you to control its multi-breakpoint envelopes. Uh, it's fantastic to watch the Chaos Designer morph through envelope shapes and apply them to a sound in real time. I can't even describe what this sounds like but it really is cool. Also there's an arpeggiator included within Omnisphere that allows um, you to drag and drop beats from Stylus RMX and apply their rhythmic feel to the sound of the arpeggiator. Wow. Is all I can say. Spectrosonics has gone the extra mile by going to the trouble of actually building unique instruments to sample for the sample content that is going to ship with Omnisphere. For instance, they built an array of light bulbs and then tapped and rubbed them with several objects to record the resonance of the the filaments within using tiny little pressure sensitive microphones. And it sounds really great. Very musical and not what you might expect. They also went that extra mile and set a piano on fire and then recorded it from the inside out as it burns to the ground. All of the details of Omnisphere are too numerous for me to go into here, but Spectrosonics has created its own website for Omnisphere, uh, which you can link to from the spectrosonics.net site. They will be releasing uh, video on the instruments that they built and recorded for this project, as well as uh, development updates. You can expect a September 15th release for Omnisphere at a U.S. price of $599.00. Okay, so it's the third day of the NAMM show. I've left Anaheim for LA to spend some time with my brother and his significant other before I head back to cold Minneapolis late tomorrow night. Uh, And I wanted to recap my impressions of my second and third day at the show. After a couple generous cups of coffee on Friday morning, I headed off to the convention center. And first up, I met up with Nick at the Arteria booth and had a chance to play around a little bit with the Origin synth and the analog factory control. The Origin sounds lovely. The Origin being several of Arteria's products ported over to hardware. Lovely, lovely little piece of gear. Uh, next I went off to the East-West booth and I watched Nick Phoenix give a demonstration of the imminent release of Storm Drum 2. Those who follow the development of major libraries will note that Storm Drum 2 was actually debuted at Nam last year and slated for release in April of 07. However, um, development hiccups have caused uh, a backup in the release. Of this product however it is at the mastering plant and should be shipping within a week or two uh, it sounds really fantastic it's um, much larger than its predecessor in content uh, 12 gigabytes of percussion samples as opposed to uh, 3.5 and uh, it sounds a lot more detailed um, also Replacing the contact player that the former library was housed in is the new East-West Play sampler and sample player. Play is 64-bit, is Vista and OS 10.5 compatible and can address as much RAM as you can load into your current machine which alleviates the need for multiple computers when using extremely large sample sets. For instance, when you're using um, an orchestral library to create a complete mock-up. Lunch every day of the show was held outside in a courtyard adjacent to the convention center. Uh, Friday was a little chilly for Anaheim. Now, those of you who come from parts of the world where winter was invented, like me, Minneapolis, where the average temperature over the past weekend was about negative 3 Fahrenheit, uh, might not feel much sympathy, but in the shade, it was a little chilly on Friday in Anaheim. However, the temperature warmed up nicely as the afternoon progressed, and as we stepped out into the sunlight, it was clear and a balmy 75 degrees. Friday night after the show... Uh, I headed towards the live music provided in several of the venues surrounding the show. Um, all of the hotels uh, in the nearby vicinity provide live music, good food, and uh, fantastic margaritas. Uh, and that's all I'll say about that, except that Saturday morning was a little rough. Um, heading into the show Saturday morning, I met up with Andy and Nick for a cup of coffee prior to the show. Once into the show, first up for me was a meeting with John Bowen, creator of the Solaris synthesizer, among others. Um, I spent a couple of hours with John talking about the development of the Solaris, and he had many things to say about it.
0: I'm using oscillator 3 as the modulating source, so if I change that... ...to something else... Tooth oscillators one and two, and then I have the output of the filter coming back into the mixer here in the old uh, mini mode style, which I always love. Yeah, plug it back into itself.
2: This was one of the highlights of the show for me as uh, I have a great amount of respect for John's prowess as a a synth builder and for having been on the forefront of many of the uh, seminal changes in synthesis and developments in synthesis over the years. And uh, he's just a genuinely really cool guy. So it was a genuine pleasure to be in his company. Um, After meeting with John, I went to lunch with the Sonic State boys uh, after which I was getting ready to leave the show as uh, I'm spending the rest of the weekend with my brother up in Los Angeles. After a relaxing lunch in the California sun and a cheerful farewell to most of the Sonic State boys, uh, Chris McLeod from G4 Software and myself uh, headed back into the show together and wandered a bit. Um, I had been looking for the reissue of The Fender Roads, but nobody seemed to know where in the show it was housed except... For Chris, he led me over to the booth uh, where I got a chance to sit behind one of these beautiful instruments and play a little bit. Uh, this was fantastic. Um, there was a guy from New York sitting across from me at another reissue, and we jammed a bit together. Now it was a real treat to be able to play uh, a newly minted Rhodes. Uh, it felt like it felt like a Rhodes. It sounded like a Rhodes, um, and it inspired like a Rhodes. So it was really fun to sit behind one of these keyboards and just jam. Well, after the visit to the Rhodes booth, it was off to the hotel to pick up my luggage, and then in the back of my brother's car and straight on up to L.A., where we ran into severe traffic heading out of Anaheim from the convention center. As exciting an experience as it was to attend the show, I am suffering from sensory overload, so I am glad to be north of the show in sunny Los Angeles, where it is currently about 75 degrees and sunny. For the next couple days, just walk the beach, drink some margaritas with some friends, and take it easy until I head back into the land where they invented winter. This is PJ Tracy for SonicState.com.